Welcome to Collaboration RA. This podcast is dedicated to our profession, allowing us to share who we are, what we bring to the field of radiology, and how we care for the patients we serve. We look forward to hearing from you. Find us on our website at www.collaborationra.com. We appreciate you listening, and we're glad you're here. Now let's collaborate. I'd like to thank you guys for joining us again on Collaboration RA. Of course, I have with me Reese Bergoon. Hello. So if you tuned into last episode, episode 23, you'll notice that we had two individuals on with us who I enjoyed chatting with. They published an article which was called Unseen Side of Imaging, Compassion Fatigue, Moral Injury, and PTSD, which was published August 31st of this year on Aunt Minnie. We'll include the link that you guys can find. As we enter this episode, we talk about some of the more challenging aspects of our careers. I share a small bit of my mental health history and seeking help. I would like to encourage anyone who maybe experiences anything that I did to definitely get out there and speak to someone. The stresses of our profession are real. I suffer with a sleep disorder known as parainsomnia due to some of the stress, what I've seen in the past and relating it and trying to not take it home with me one day realizing that the world that we live in is not just confined within the hospital walls and the home walls. I got treatment a long time ago and I sleep with the device and I see my sleep doctor on a regular basis. And since doing that, it's been very successful. So I definitely encourage anyone who does experience any of these. It's okay. You're not alone. And if you have any questions, I'm always happy to reach out. I just want to take a moment to remind our listeners that this is a two-part episode. So if you haven't already, please go back and listen to that first part before listening to this one. It really ties in together. I'm really excited about this episode. That's why we wanted to bring our listeners along to hear it because there's a lot of great content. I really think it's going to reach a lot of people, both on a personal and professional level. Marceline, I want to thank you for sharing everything you did in this episode. I think our listeners are going to take it to heart. And I appreciate the listeners hanging in for this two-part series. Like I said, we just want to make sure y'all could hear the entirety of the conversation because we felt it was very important for everyone to have the opportunity to get as much out of it as we did recording it. I also want to thank Stephanie Manak and Judy Zakutny for coming on and allowing us to be vulnerable and to share our experiences to really welcome what some of us go through. I know throughout the conversations, you guys are going to hear how heartfelt they are. And thank you so much for shedding light on this. It was really important. So without further ado, we can go ahead and jump right back in. First, I'll start out by introducing Stephanie Manak. Stephanie attended Community College of Lake County in Grays Lake, Illinois, graduating in 2004. She obtained her associates, her bachelor's, and then went on to receive her master's in health communication, graduating from Northwestern University in Chicago. She is credentialed as RT, VI, and M. Thank you for joining us, Stephanie. My pleasure. Also with us, we have Judy Zakutney. She went to Lorraine County Community College in Ohio, and she has an associate's in applied sciences and radiologic technology, graduating in 1981. She has credentials in RT, CT, and MR. Thank you for joining us, Judy. Thank you for having me. Both of you mentioned in the article 
that moral injury is caused by managing expectations of one stakeholder over the other. Is there an example of this that comes to mind? So there are. And I think moral injury can actually be caused by a number of different things. In fact, the light bulb went off for me actually on moral injury when I read a study that the VA did with two other very prominent organizations. They compared data on combat veterans and healthcare workers at the front line of COVID in the framing of moral injury. The percentage of healthcare workers that experienced moral injury was identical to those of Vietnam era combat veterans. If that doesn't send an alarm bell up your spine, nothing will. Moral injury is tough. One example of the competing stakeholders are physicians who had 20 people that needed a vent, but there was only one vent available right? Your patient is a stakeholder. The physician's moral center is a stakeholder. The public is a stakeholder and they all need something to happen. But you as the decision maker, the physician, you don't have the resources to make it happen. Another way to think about this is going to be a little bit in the contrast shortage. We knew patients needed to be seen. We know patients needed contrast for exams. We knew diagnoses and treatment were depending on these exams. We knew how to do it. We knew what we needed but we didn't have what we needed to make it happen. This causes a friction between in our moral center and our ethical center. We know what we need to do. We know what will help patients, but circumstances beyond our control are making it so we can't do it. That's an injury to our moral center. The scales of balance are off. When you talk about other examples of competing stakeholders for those who aren't in the imaging field, right? To maybe get their heads around is leadership has an expectation that patients on the schedule get completed. They get done. They get their exams, even if it's the end of the shift, even if the schedule is full. And at the same time, they don't want any overtime because they have stakeholders with budget and expense expectations. Patients, your other stakeholders, most important one, we would all argue, they can rightfully have an expectation to be seen, to have their exam and to have it on time. And when they said they were going to have it, But when expectations are greater than the resources, the department runs late. Not enough people, not enough scanners, things are running late. Staff have a reasonable expectation too. They are also a stakeholder. They should be able to expect to go home at the end of their shift on time. No stakeholder is having their expectations met. Honestly, it's the staff member who's not only going to be last on the list, but taking a seat at the table as an equal stakeholder probably is not going to end well in the moment. So they're left to try to provide care for patients, satisfy the other stakeholders without the tools that they need, time, another person. And to be brutally honest, even I have defaulted in my past life of saying things like, but what about the patient? To tip the scales so that this one stakeholder, the staff member, gives in. Frankly, if I'm being very honest, I feel like it's a form of guilt. And we've all unfortunately used it and we've all succumbed to it. It plays on our capacity, again, going back to compassion and empathy that are already tapped out. So your stakeholders aren't necessarily people sitting in an office. You're a stakeholder too. So is your patient. So is your director. So is your manager. So is the patient's family. And everybody wants something in that moment or in that situation. And there's just no way to meet them all. And you feel like you failed. It's funny because when I read your article... When I read stakeholder, I definitely did not think of myself or technologist 
that just really is amazing the way that you put it in that we are all stakeholders mm-hmm. because that didn't even cross my mind. Right. But but Marceline, it speaks to what we've all shared in this conversation so far, right? We have to take care of ourselves first. We are part of the continuum. We have gifts that we bring to our role. We matter in that equation as much as others do. It's interesting that you say that because I too, the first time I read a similar description of a staff member or emotional needs or mental health needs being categorized as a stakeholder, I had to do a double take and I had to kind of chew on it a little bit. And then I had that little light bulb go off too. Judy, are there any ways in which you see that we encounter this on a regular basis as technologists, whether it be in the past or it be in present from COVID? You know, I think Stephanie touched on one of the things, the staffing shortages, obviously. You know, you've got leaders that are asking you to stay and do these patients and you're exhausted. You want to go home. You want to be with your family, yet you know these patients need to be done and there's an emergency. Can we just fit in one more? That's a huge piece of it. But from the other aspect of it, think about imaging leaders. They're the ones that are facing the issue of having to limit or even close services because of the lack of adequate staffing. And if we stop and think about how that's affecting them, because they're the ones that are tasked with ensuring all imaging services are available and run smoothly to provide the best patient care. They've got the dilemma of, I need to provide the care for the patients, but I also need to provide my staff a break. And many of them that I've talked to are actually working the floor themselves and providing staffing because they want to give their actual staff that work normally a break. You start to begin to think at what expense is all this happening? Everyone starts to feel like they're being taken advantage of. And and you feel that moral injury come to the forefront because of all these competing constant stressors and overwhelming set of expectations. You're trying to find that right balance, but it's so difficult to do so. I love that you brought up the management aspect of it. Because I know that that is something that they struggle with in terms of staff looking at them and feeling as though a lot of the weight that's being put on them is coming from management. But I think it's really important to understand that management not only has the weight of the staff, they also have the weight of the hospital's expectations and the patient's expectations. And so they're getting it from several different angles as well, too. And they can definitely resonate with a lot of what we're saying. Yeah, it is so true. One of the imaging folks that we spoke with when we asked about the stressors that they're facing, they had said, our staff sometimes forget that leaders have feelings too. And it just kind of hurt my heart to hear that because their technologists, most of the time, the imaging leaders came up through the ranks, they're technologists and they get it. They understand. But like you said, they have these competing pressures from administration, from the hospital, from the patient. So it's a difficult place to be in for many of them. What are some things that we can maybe do to help navigate or recognize these stressors so that we can help them? I think one of the things we touched on earlier was being able to provide that safe space. 
being able to provide the opportunity for each other to talk openly about situations they've encountered or what happened that day, being able to recognize each other needs support. There are many things I experienced over the course of being a tech that unfortunately stay with me to this day. Things that I've seen that I, you know, I can recall that are not good. You know, it's almost a PTSD situation because we always tend to bury those emotions. We talked about that earlier as well. We pretend like everything's okay. But then these things start to resurface time and time again. Getting out in front of that and being able to provide support groups to allow us to open up, talk about our feelings, I think will serve all of us very well in the healing process. And I would offer too that as leaders and as teammates, you know your people, right? You know your team, you know kind of their personalities and how they normally carry themselves at work when everything is as level as it can be in healthcare. But, you know, one day it dawns on you that the Susie Sunshine on your team for the last week or so, she's just different. Just the act of someone saying, look, I care about you. I'm not trying to get in your business, but I've just noticed that you might be struggling and I'm concerned about you. If you need somebody to talk to, if you want me to find a resource for you, if you know you need to step away for a little bit, how can I support you? Sometimes just that act of being seen and knowing that someone is looking out for you can be the first step for someone to say, you know what, I'm not okay and I need help. It's not your job as a leader or as a teammate to fix them. We are not mental health professionals. We are imagers. But giving someone that open avenue and that recognition that it's okay not to be okay. And if you're not, let's help you do something about it. Sometimes that's all it takes. Whenever we went through a lot of the legislative issues with the RA profession, and the amount of passion that I have for the profession, and I've stood up for legislation. I've been an advocate for the profession. I know that in 2010, when a lot of the billing issues came up for the RA, and I was replaced with a different type of mid-level, it was extremely hard, and I still had to work within the same place, right? So I was replaced with somebody. They wanted me to train a different type of mid-level. I said no. The hospital wanted to keep me, but as a supervisor within this capacity, it's about the patient, make sure they get the proper care that they need. But you're a supervisor. You shouldn't do it. But we need the best outcome from the patient. Take a pay cut, right? The amount of emotion that I went through, not only having to lose the career that I loved, taking a step back, and then having to stay at the same facility in a capacity I'm not recognized at, not supported at, really took a toll on me because of the nightmares and the staying awake. Throughout my career as an RA, I wake up every single day thinking, what's going to hit me today that I'm not prepared for? What is going to happen today that in my profession, not within my patients, within my profession that I can't control? And I think as technologists, you feel that too. What's going to happen today that I can't control, right? So true. So true. You know, 
when I, and Stephanie knows about this story, when I was first in x-ray tech, I was working evenings by myself. And most of the time I was the only tech on. Every once in a while I'd have a student, but this evening I didn't. And a trauma came in and it was a very young family. It was a dad, mom, and there were two little girls and they were involved in this horrific car train accident. And the mom took the brunt of the impact of the train and obviously was extremely critical. And I'm in x-raying her in the trauma room and all of a sudden I could hear the two little girls and they are just crying and screaming for their mom. And I just, I had to really hold it together. I just thought, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose it. I'm not going to be able to do this. And to this day, if I hear kids like that screaming and crying, I can close my eyes and I can see her. And I just feel that that sadness and that overwhelming, just horrible feeling all over again. And it's those types of experiences that I was by myself. I had no one to talk to. I went back to the department. I'm processing the films and I'm in the dark room just crying and thinking, okay, I've got to get my, you know, what together because I've got to get these films back. And it's just, it's so difficult at times. And we forget that techs are put in these situations and to not have an outlet to be able to express these things. And the other thing I was going to share real quick, when I was first a director, I was so worried about everything. I wanted to make sure everything ran well in the department, that techs were happy. I had enough tech staffing the department. I was the same way, Marceline. I could not sleep. I think I'd fall asleep for like a minute. I'd wake up thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to get this done. I've got to get that done. I got to make sure so-and-so's taking care. Oh, I got somebody want a vacation. You know, just this constant overwhelming pressure. I started having such bad chest pain. I had to go have a nuclear medicine stress test because they thought something was going on. And it was just the stress of the job. It's so important that this topic is brought to the forefront for sure. Well, and I think so many of us feel like, like what you were saying, and especially as leaders within the department, you have to be strong, right? Right. When you see this in your colleagues, in your staff, you have to be there for them. But like you said, who's there for you? Right. right. And I can definitely resonate with your stories of trauma because there are many times throughout my career that I can hear a mom cry for a child. Yeah. I mean, these are the realities of who we are and what our stories are. We absolutely love the field that we're in. Mm -hmm. And, and I guess and just finding a way to talk about it. And I think you bring up something so important. Every time I hear my dear friend Judy tell that story, like I'm over here with tears in my eyes and my heart is breaking for her because I know, I know her as a person and I know how deeply she cares about every patient. And you think about, and I won't say the number, but Judy's been a tech, you know, <laughs> now, and it still has this visceral response. All of these years later, it has that visceral response. We are absolutely impacted by our patients. We all, I know we all have a hundred stories. I have those of my own too. There is a clinical diagnosis of PTSD that folks on our team have struggled with and seek care for. I think it's important that we stress 
to everyone that's listening that if you're feeling some of these things that Marceline described or some of these things that Judy described, where now your own health becomes in jeopardy, please, please talk to someone and get some help because we care that you're around to do all of the amazing things that you do for your patients, but you have to take care of you to do it. I mean, most of us, and this is just very broad blanket statement, most of us have that significant other or spouse that we go home to and we can most of the time minorly vent, sometimes majorly vent about the struggles that we faced that day. Mm -hmm. Some of us may compartmentalize our day. Some of us may just entirely leave work at work and come home and leave home at home and nothing crosses lines. If you don't have anyone to talk with, maybe you can confide in somebody that you know and trust at work, someone who you can see a little bit more eye to eye on to find common ground, find common struggles, somebody who can understand and share and help you through the struggles you're dealing with at work. Yeah, I know my wife, who is not a medical trained person, and we've been together for a while now. I think she was watching a medical show. She likes watching medical shows. She had asked me, what's some of the worst things you've seen in the hospital setting? And I work trauma. I worked the ER for a little bit. I think we all do at some point or another. And I was like, well, no one's really asked me that. And I just started like telling her things I've seen and things I've experienced. And she just sat there with her mouth hanging open. She goes, how are you functioning right now with the things you've seen? And I was like, it's just, it's part of the job. Right. And not a whole lot of people know that. Well, I think that's the thing. I didn't talk about it. And actually, this is the first time I've openly talked about it. Um, And so I think getting individuals to recognize that it's okay to talk about it. I don't know how much of this I'll share. And actually, at one point, they did diagnose me with PTSD. And now I understand it. I don't know how I'll be perceived. And I guess at this point, what does it matter? What if it helps somebody else? Or what if it gets somebody else to talk to somebody? That's a big deal. I think one of the things that you hit on that was most important is I did go to therapy. I did go and openly talk to somebody that I could express what I was going through. But do I have a physician who is helping me with my sleep disorder? Absolutely. But I think getting somebody to talk to and realizing this is a situation that you are in and it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be there. It's okay to talk about it. And I think that's why I absolutely love this article because for the first time, somebody talked about it and it wasn't me. But now I can talk about it. Now I can share my experiences and now others can too because we've made it okay. We've made it a thing. And that is why Stephanie and Judy, I am so grateful for your article because for the first time, I felt like somebody resonated with what I've kept private. It was so important to us to get this article out. And, you know, it was therapeutic for me, for sure. And I don't want to speak for Stephanie, but I just, I enjoyed writing it and felt it was such an important thing to get out for people to read. Absolutely. The same. There was a definite level of catharsis for me that happened, not only from writing it, but to have the two of you share with us that it resonated with people and that it's not just us 
in our corners that we think it's important, that it is important. And that it's like you said, Marceline, if one person, one person finds somebody to talk to, finds a way to get themselves out of what feels like just a spiral, contacts the clergy at the hospitals. I tell you what, I talked to the clergy at University of Chicago Medicine. Shout out to him. He was amazing when I needed somebody to bounce things off of. And I wasn't sure if I could or if it was right or who, you know, everyone else was going through stuff too. But Judy and I both would agree with what you said. If one person pulls something out that helps them, then that's a gift for us, for sure. I think it hit me on a personal level because I think if you've been in the game long enough, you've had some sort of compassion fatigue or moral injury or burnout at some point or another. And there was a certain point in time where I had a, what I consider a pretty severe moral injury. There was a patient at a neighboring hospital who needed, and this is from the physician who is calling our hospital, our department, asking for somebody who could perform a lumbar puncture. They were unable to do it despite multiple efforts, and they needed somebody from our hospital to go over there at their hospital and do it. None of the physicians were able, and so they were asking me, and I felt conflicted because I knew I had the skill, but going to another facility where I had no credentials, knew nobody, And there was no radiologist, which I can only perform these procedures under the supervision of a radiologist. I said, I can't do it. And the chief of staff and the CEO got online and they called me directly and said, we really need you to come do this. And I said, I understand where you're coming from. And I hope this patient gets the care they need. And I know I have the skill to do it, but I feel like there's too much red tape for me. I feel like I would be in danger on the back end that I would get in trouble and lose my license. And to be put in that situation to have that experience is like, yes, I want to take care of this patient, but I'm scared for my own self-preservation. I was informed that they had to airlift that patient to another hospital in another state. So it took a toll on me because that kind of affected me personally. And that's what I could relate with from the article. Whenever you were sharing this article with other staff members and I was watching them read this live and every single one of them was nodding their head in agreement. Yes, yes, yes. Like I said, it it affects somebody. If they've been in the game long enough, it, it hits them at some level. Thank you for sharing your story, Reese. Huge disclaimer, not a mental health professional, not an expert. I would encourage you to think about what you just shared and then maybe learn a little bit more about moral injury. I personally I want to thank you for the decision that you made, but I also know how difficult it was. You knew what you wanted to do. You knew what needed to happen. You knew what the patient needed. And yet factors beyond your control made it so that you couldn't provide the care the patient needed. That's a tough spot to be in. And thank you for sharing it. I didn't really know what compassion fatigue was. I didn't know what moral injury was. I knew what burnout was, but not to the extent that we discussed it tonight. So you hear about especially the compassion fatigue and the moral injury. Tonight was the first time I really actually understood what it was. And I think when you read the article, you get an idea of it. But in conversation, you get to understand it and really resonate with it. So thank you both for coming on 
and spending the time to discuss with us and to talk with us about this because there's a lot about myself I maybe didn't even know. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what we are. We're here to learn and, and grow and develop. And most importantly, to enhance our profession to start having conversations that we have not been having. Do you guys know about the RA profession? Yeah, I did not before this. Oh, wow. Really? You I heard no idea. <laughs> yeah. One of the clients I have have PAs that are working. They are, they are not titled as RAs. So I was thrilled to hear that this was another avenue. There's not many of us out there. So I'm actually not surprised that you were not aware that we existed. I graduated in 04 and one of the women that had graduated the year prior to me was working in the same hospital where I was doing my clinicals. And as soon as she was done with her RT, she was all about finding out about RA because while being a, a mid-level provider interested her, she wanted to concentrate in radiology. So it all kind of came together at this perfect moment for Iris. I only know about it because someone I was close to in my department was actively engaged in how do I go to school and getting the recommendations and finding a, a way to make it happen and then teaching the rest of us around her. So I had the opportunity to know about it kind of right at the front end of when it was being opined and developed and credentialed and then watching some of the struggles you guys have had to go through unfold, the regulatory struggles, reimbursement struggles, the, for lack of a better way to put it, the sandbox fights. There's room for all of us. Clearly, I have my own opinion on the matter. I think the two of you are pretty aligned with how I think about it. So thank you for doing what you do. It's like a technologist on steroids and it's a top <laughs> check. So thank you for that. Very cool. Yes. I know that when I read your article the day of, I reached out to you all. What was kind of your thought process on coming on to a podcast and probably a podcast that y'all aren't familiar with? Because like I said, it is more RA focused and getting to learn who we are. But also, like I said, our background is technologist and that's mm -hmm. who we owe a big credit to who we are because that is what we are. So what were your thought processes when we did reach out to y'all? <laughs> Total excitement. Yes. <laughs> I think our collective simultaneous response was wahoo, both for the importance of the information and honestly, it validated the work that we did. We were both very, very excited. As you can tell, we could both probably talk about this for hours and hours and hours. And yeah, completely excited, very excited. We've been looking forward to this. Yeah, definitely. It really touched us that someone found it as important as we did, and it resonated with other imaging folks. It really meant a lot to us. Thank you so much for having us. We enjoyed this every bit as much as you did, and we certainly hope that people can take something away that means something to them. Absolutely. It was an absolute pleasure. We really appreciate it. Well, to our listeners, please go check out the article. We will include the link in this podcast episode. And go check it out. And if there's something you feel like this has affected you in some way or fashion, go find the help needed. There's no shame into talking to other individuals of like mind or who've gone through it already. Please go help yourself so that you can help others as well. Please reach out to us on our website if you have something you would like to share with us or with our listeners, www.collaborationra.com. You can share us with your coworkers, share us with the radiologists, share us with other colleagues. That's what we're trying to do is we're collaborating with everybody. 
thank you guys for coming on. Thank you for sharing your stories and really just putting yourselves out there to bring up a topic that is probably danced around or not discussed, Mm -hmm. but allowing us to open that conversation, open that discussion. And I think what it's going to do is open up the pathway to say, hey, it's okay. Yeah, I hope so. Yep, absolutely. All right, everybody. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Collaboration RA. Remember to find us on our website at www.collaborationra.com. There you'll find our social media accounts. Give us a like and give us a share. We look forward to your support and thank you for tuning in.